Yo, what is going on, Cover 7 family? Welcome back to another episode here on the Cover 7 with Mason Pierce podcast. And guys, in today's episode, which I just hate saying this, but guys, we're going to be previewing all of the action for this upcoming week 11 in the 2022 college football season. And man, it just feels so weird to think we are already 11 weeks in. I know I said it about week 10. I know I said it about week 9. But seriously, this season has absolutely flown by. But we've had some just amazing matchups. And once again, we're going to have a really, and I mean a really good week, as we have one of the biggest games in the Big 12 going down of the year down in Austin, Texas, down in Austin, Texas as we have the TCU Horned Frogs taking on the Texas Longhorns, who are coming off a really good upset win against the Kansas State Wildcats. But anyway, guys, before we do jump into all of our action in today's preview episode, Please make sure that you do like, comment, share, rate. Do whatever you can to make sure that we continue to spread the Cover 7 podcast to everybody out there so that they can say so that they can also stay up to date like all you beautiful people up to date with everything football related whether that is college football or NFL and heck maybe maybe we'll even do some XFL stuff when that happens early next year but anyway guys thank you so much for all the support that y'all have shown also make sure to check out anchor.fm's monthly supporter program it's kind of like a subscription to your favorite streamer on Twitch or YouTube or whatever it just helps me financially be able to continue to better the podcast and everything like that not required not expected but truly does mean a lot to me from the bottom of my heart so guys Thank y'all so much for tuning into today's episode, and like I always say, I don't want to waste y'all's time. I don't want to waste my time either. So let's get right into today's episode. And once again, we're gonna be we're gonna be kicking off week two of Maction, the best time of year when we have football. Literally every single day of the week, Monday through Sunday, we have every day full of football, whether that is college football or NFL football. But we're gonna be talking about college football week 11 in today's episode so to kick it all off on tuesday to kick off our week two of maction at 6 p.m central time i'm guessing it's going to be somewhere on espn or maybe not even broadcasted it doesn't show it on here we have the eastern michigan eagles taking on against the akron uh zips now there's i don't really need to explain a lot in this game Akron currently sits at 1-8. and eight. Eastern Michigan is 5-4. and four. They're going to be wanting to get to a bowl game, and definitely they should be able to beat an Akron team that just consistently is probably a bottom dweller in all of the FBS. So give me the Eastern Michigan Eagles big over the Akron Zips. I know Akron, they're only underdogs by 7.5 in this game, but I just think Akron, man, I don't think they've ever really been solid. I mean, no offense to any Akron fans out there if there is any, but... This should be a pretty easy win for the Eastern Michigan Eagles, so give me EMU over Akron. Now, guys, for our second game on Tuesday at 6.30 p.m. Central Time on ESPN2, we have the Ohio Bobcats, who have actually been pretty solid this year. I mean, their offense has been really good. I remember watching them a little bit last week. You know, their offense is really solid, and they're going to be taking on a Miami of Ohio, the Red Hawks. So it's going to be a battle of Ohio, but... I just think that Ohio, they're the overall better team. I mean, the Bobcats have looked really good this year. They're 6-3. and three. They're already bowl eligible, and they're going to want to continue to be able to, to better their record and then be able to potentially compete for a conference conference championship. So give me the Ohio Bobcats over Miami of Ohio in this matchup. Now, guys, for our final game on Tuesday to wrap up day one 
of the two days that we have of Maction at 7 p.m. Central Time on ESPN. We have the Ball State Cardinals taking on the Toledo Rockets, who both of these teams surprisingly are over 500. Toledo, they're already bowl eligible with a record of 6-3. and three. Ball State, they're looking to be bowl eligible with a record of 5-4. and four. Uh, I haven't really watched much of these two teams. I know Ball State, they've been pretty decent this year. Not great, but Toledo, from what I've heard, they've had a, they have a really, and I mean a really good offense. So I'm going to have to go with Toledo in this game. I mean, they're literally minus 11.5. They're playing at home, you know, at the Glass Bowl, which I think is one of the coolest names for a stadium. So give me the Toledo Rockets over the Ball State Cardinals. And, you know, guys, I'm trying to trying to explain as much as I can about you know a lot of Mac teams I don't really watch a lot I don't really watch a lot of them so I'm not going to try to mislead y'all but definitely when we get to a lot of our bigger games y'all will get plenty of in-depth analysis presented by yours very truly the Mason Pierce so <laughs> but anyway that was really cringy my bad but anyway guys let's get over to Wednesday slate of games which is also aka day two of Maction games and to kick it all off at 6 p.m. Central Time on ESPNU, we have the Northern Illinois Huskies taking on the Western Michigan Broncos. And I made the mistake last week of picking Northern Illinois. Um, I didn't realize that they literally have a quarterback just trio right now that just cannot seemingly play good football. I thought Rocky Lombardi, the former starting quarterback for the Michigan State Spartans, I thought he was doing pretty good because last time I checked he was. But apparently he's, he, he's not even playing right now. So they're going to... Kalamazoo, which is already a tough enough place to play. It's already wintertime. It's probably going to be some really rough weather. I know it says it's only going to be like 51 or this and that, but, I mean, let's be honest, it's up in Michigan. So, for me personally, as much as I want to go with Northern Illinois because I like the dual-headed running back duo that they do have, I can't remember both of their names, but in the past few games, they've both been able to put up over 200 yards rushing apiece. I mean, they're really good, but... I just think Western Michigan being at home, you know, they really, they're still in contention to potentially make a bowl game. You know, they're currently at 3-6. and six. You know, they have to lose one more game, then they're out of it. So, I think Western Michigan, I know the, the spread is even, but I'm going to have to go with the, the Broncos of Western Michigan. So, give me, uh, give me the Kalamazoo Broncos over the Northern Illinois Huskies. And, I mean, I don't know. I just I have a gut feeling that I think Western Michigan, they should win that game. So, but anyway, guys, the next game that we do have at 6 p.m. Central Time on ESPN2, we have the Buffalo Bulls taking on the Central Michigan uh, Chippewas. I don't even, I almost said something completely off. But um, anyway, this game is actually pretty interesting because last week I thought Buffalo was going to be able to beat Ohio. Uh, I didn't realize that Ohio has one of the best offenses in the MAC, so I was completely wrong about that. And, you know, for and for Central Michigan, I think it kind of gets, you know, kind of discarded. They also do have a really underrated back who actually led last year in all of SB, FBS and rushing yards, uh, Drew Nichols. I, I, think it's, I think it's Drew Nichols, but his last name is Nichols. He is an absolutely fantastic running back. He's got great size. He could have transferred to an SEC school this year, but he, he decided to stay up there in Kalamazoo. Or not Kalamazoo. I'm, I'm so sorry. Not Kalamazoo. Pal, uh, Mount Pleasant. He decided to stay up there with Central Michigan. And, well... Uh, he's been a little bit banged up this year. He did play a little bit last week against Bowling Green, but I think coming into this game, I think we'll have a pretty decent, uh, decent load. Uh, definitely amount. Definitely should be able to run the ball pretty dang well against Buffalo. Um, you know, my heart wants to go with Buffalo because they are five and four and have the better overall record. But you got to look at home field advantage and everything like that. I know it's not going to be a packed out stadium or this and that, but Central Michigan, they're used to playing in their environment. I think if they're able to run the ball pretty dang effectively, they're able to finally get a good quarterback going. I mean, they kind of they used two quarterbacks last week. If they're able to really settle down on one quarterback, 
I think Central Michigan should be able to win this game. So give me the Chippewas over the Bulls of Buffalo. Now, guys, for our next game and our final game, actually, on Wednesday, and our final game of Week 2 of Maction at 6 p.m. Central Time, we have the Kent State Golden Flashes taking on the Bowling Green Falcons. And I, you know, obviously I'm always scared to go against the spread, right, because, you know, it doesn't seem like it would be right. I mean, Kent State, they're favored in this game, actually, over Bowling Green, but I watched Bowling Green last week. And, you know, despite a lot of turnover issues on offense, their defense is still really good. I mean, they only let Central Michigan put up nine total points on them last week, three field goals. So their defense is still really good. I think if their defense is able to hold off Kent State from really scoring any points and then the offense can commit a little bit less amount of turnovers and put up more touchdowns than they do field goals, I think Bowling Green, they should win this game pretty easily. So give me the Bowling Green Falcons over the Kent State Golden Flash Flashes to wrap up week two of Maction, and then to kick us off for our later week games. So anyway, guys, now let's get over to Thursday slated games, and we really don't have that entertaining of a uh, midweek schedule like we have the past few weeks, so bear with me. I know it's not the most intriguing matchups, but for Thursday to kick every all the games off at 6.30 p.m. Central Time on ESPN, we have the Tulsa Golden Hurricane taking on the Memphis Tigers. Now, this game, it'll be played up in Memphis. Um, Tulsa, they haven't really looked that good this year. I mean, I mean, they, they, they were able to kind of contain Tulane a little bit, but Tulane ran the ball for, I think, about almost 400 rushing yards against them, which is absurd. Memphis, as we all know, they definitely are really good when it comes to running the football. I know Memphis, they're having a down year, currently sit at 4-5, and five, but I think this is a game that Tul – not Tulsa. I think this is a game that Memphis should easily win, especially against a pretty weak Tulsa team. So give me the Tigers over the Tulsa Golden Hurricane. And then now, guys, for our final game that we do have on Thursday slate at 6.30 p.m. Central Time on ESPNU, we have the Georgia Southern Eagles, who are led by former USC head coach Clay Helton, We've actually looked pretty solid this year. They knocked off Nebraska in week three. You know, they've been a pretty solid team taking on the Louisiana Ragin' Cajuns, who I feel have been a little bit disappointing. They're not a horrible team. You know, they lost their head coach, Billy Napier, to Florida, which that took a huge toll on a recruiting and everything like that. But not a bad team overall. I mean, it's going to be played down at Lafayette, so there's a little bit of an advantage to Louisiana. But for me personally, I mean, I know people are going to pick Louisiana. I know the spread has Louisiana by three. But I'm going to go with Clay Helton and the Eagles. I mean, I like what he's done with, with Georgia Southern. They're 5-4. and four. They're one game away from being able to make a bowl game. I know they're 2-3 and three in the Sun Belt, but I still think that Georgia Southern, they should be able to pull a win down there in Lafayette. Nothing against Louisiana, but, you know, their past few games haven't really been that impressive. I mean, they lost last week to Troy. They lost against uh, Southern Miss a few weeks back. So, def I mean, I, I just think, honestly, this is a game that, Clay Helton and Georgia Southern definitely should win. So give me the Eagles over the Raging Cajuns of Louisiana Lafayette. So, guys, that'll wrap up all of our action for Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. So now let's technically kick off our weekend slate of games. And then obviously we're going to start out on Fridays. We do have some pretty good matchups. And the first one to kick us off at 7 p.m. Central Time on ESPN2, we have the East Carolina Pirates taking on the Cincinnati Bearcats. Now, this game will be played up in Cincinnati, so do bear that in mind when I do make my decision or y'all make y'all's decision as well. Um, East Carolina, I like them a lot. I mean, watching them at BYU, what they were able to do in the run game, I mean, in my opinion, they do have one of the better young running backs in all of college football. 
in Keaton Mitchell, who's absolutely ran the ball really effective this year, and especially against East Carolina's last game, which just so happens to be that BYU game. He ran for over 130 yards rushing and really just could not be stopped. And I know East Carolina, they kind of pride themselves on throwing the football, and they definitely struggled against BYU, but they're going up against a Cincinnati team that, no offense to them, they don't have a bad defense, but definitely losing two of your best corners in program history and Kobe Bryant and Sauce Gardner that took a huge toll on them they just they're coming off a loss to UCF last week which UCF is a really good team they're top 25 and you know they rightfully deserve to be where they're at and then for Cincinnati I mean their offense definitely has struggled I mean not having Jerome Ford not having Desmond Ritter and not having Alec Pierce and all of those veteran guys it's definitely taken another toll on the Cincinnati team so Y'all can call me crazy all you want. I know Cincinnati, they're going to be at home, but I like East Carolina. I like their defense. Their defense is really good. I mean, they made Jaron Reed and that BYU offense just look absolutely ridiculous. I know they were able to run the ball at least a little bit decent, so the run game is a little bit of a concern. But Cincinnati, they don't have the same running backs that they always have. I mean, they're trying to rely a little bit more, you know, throwing the football. And I think East Carolina, they definitely should take care of Cincinnati. So give me our first, I guess you could say, upset of the week and give me the East Carolina Pirates over the Cincinnati Bearcats on Friday night to kick our weekend slated games off. Now guys for our next game and our first Power 5 game of the weekend at 6:30 or not at 6:30 at 8:30 p.m. Central Time on FS1, we have the 1 and 8 Colorado Buffaloes taking on the ninth ranked USC Trojans and y'all don't even really need me to predict this game. Uh, obviously USC they should win this game by about 1000 points. But the spread, I'm going to kind of turn into a little bit of, of the bet side of Mason, I guess you could say, for this episode. Um, USC, they're favored by 30, 34, uh, yeah, they're favored by 34 points. If I'm a better, and as much as I do want to take that, we've seen the defense of USC struggle a little bit. We saw them struggle against Arizona. You know, they almost let Cal come back in the game. They only beat Cal, I think, by seven points. I mean, I don't. I think 38 or 34 is a little bit much. And I know Colorado, they're horrendous, right? I mean, they're. I mean, they're easily one of the worst teams in all college football, and they're probably one of the worst. I think they might be the worst Power Five school in the nation right now. So obviously, USC, they're going to win this game. I think Caleb Williams, he'll throw for over 350 yards passing, probably about five passing touchdowns, but. Just remember that the defense of USC, they're going to give up some type of points. And I just think that 34 might be a little bit too much. Now, I might be completely wrong. And, you know, if I am, y'all can come back to this. But for prediction-wise, I'm going to go with Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams and the Trojans. I just think they're going to be way too much for this really weak Colorado defense. So give me the Trojans over the Colorado Buffaloes as USC, they continue to try and stay alive in their playoff hopes. Now, guys, for our final game of Friday and a really late night game at 9.30 p.m. Central Time on CBS Sports Network, we have the Fresno State Bulldogs taking on the UNLV Rebels. And, well, UNLV, when they kicked the season off, they looked really good. I think they won their first three out of four or two out of four. I mean, something that they had not done in forever. And, well, they have definitely have kind of fallen off. They're now two and three in the Mountain West. They're taking on a Fresno State team who, despite a lot of early season struggles, they've been getting things going. They're four and, run, they're four and one right now in Mountain West play. They're looking really good, and I expect complete more of that. I mean, Fresno State, they were able to keep Jake Hubner, who potentially was going to transfer back to Washington and follow his uh, former head coach. And, well, I mean, 
I just think Fresno State, their offense is going to be too much for UNLV in this game. Uh, I mean, even though it's played, it's going to be played in Las Vegas, I just think Fresno State, they've got the upper hand in this game. They're, they've been really good in conference play, and they're going to continue that trend against the Rebels of UNLV. So give me Fresno State over the fighting Rebels of UNLV. And that, guys, that'll wrap up our uh, week slate of games. Now, let me know which games you're all looking forward to. I'm, I know me personally, matching games, it always brings some type of weird excitement that you would never expect from, a, you know, from a, a conference like that. So I'm definitely looking forward to watching a lot of those games. I'm also looking forward to the USC and Colorado game because for some reason, I don't want to say it feels like a trap game, but I feel like it's going to be just one of those weird games that for some reason Colorado, they play their best football of the year, and we see them somehow compete with USC. USC will get the win. I, I don't doubt that one bit, but just be funny if Colorado, they potentially somehow go into L.A. and beat the Trojans. So, But anyway, guys, enough about all of those games. Let's get on to our main day of games as we now are going to be talking about our noon slate of games on Saturday and to kick it all off in SEC play at 11 a.m. Central Time. And I'm guessing this will probably be on the SEC network, I want to say. They haven't gotten a broadcast yet or station for it yet, but we have the Missouri Tigers traveling out east to take on the Tennessee Volunteers who currently sit at fifth in the nation after losing uh, after losing to Georgia last week. And, you know, I'd be lying to you if I said that offense didn't look abysmal against Georgia. But at the same time, I really just think Georgia, their defense is just that good. I don't think it's the fact that Tennessee's offense is that bad. I think it's just they did not expect truly what they were getting themselves into playing down there at Sanford Stadium and then also taking on easily what I think is the best defense in all of college football. I mean, they could not pass the ball to save their lives. Jalen Hyatt, who's probably going to end up winning the Belenikov Trophy, he got held to under 100 yards uh, receiving. Hendon Hooker didn't even throw a touchdown pass in this game. I mean, he got absolutely just shut down by that Georgia defense, but they're going up against another semi-okay defense in Missouri. I mean, they didn't allow Will Levis to do anything last or last week. I know Will Levis threw three touchdown passes, but overall did not look amazing by any means. But I do think Hendon Hooker and his Tennessee team, they're going to be pissed off at the fact that they allowed themselves to get pretty much shut out on offense. So give me Tennessee. I mean, the game's going to be played up up at Neyland Stadium. So that's also another factor you have to look at. So give me the Tennessee Volunteers over the Missouri Tigers. Now, guys, for our next game that we're going to talk about at 11 a.m. Central Time on Fox as we have the Indiana Hoosiers traveling out to Columbus, Ohio to take on the Ohio State Buckeyes, who now have dropped to number three in the AP rankings. And just for all y'all out there, I'm just going to use the AP rankings for these because I feel like they're a lot more accurate than the college football playoff rankings. I know the college football playoff rankings, that's what they use to actually determine who makes bowl games and who does this and that. But for me personally, I absolutely disagree with almost every single one of their rankings. And you could say, oh, it's because you're a TCU fan. I just think a lot of teams that get ranked don't deserve to be ranked. And obviously a lot of it's got to do with brand bias. But anyway, Ohio State, they do drop to three. I mean, definitely a rough game against Northwestern, which the weather was absolutely cruddy. I mean, it was pouring rain. The wind was blowing like crazy. I mean, the term the Windy City, it literally lived up to its name in Illinois, which Evanston is near Chicago. So, But anyway, you know, they did beat they did beat Northwestern 21-7, so we will give them that. But I know it definitely did not help them in terms of building their resume even after defensively, they were able to pretty much massacre Penn State in the fourth quarter. So, But anyway, outside of that, I think this game should not even be close. Ohio State, they're actually favored by 41.5 points, which is a bigger spread than against Northwestern. 
because Northwestern was only, I think, 38. So Indiana, they're favored, or not Indiana, Ohio State, they're favored by 41.5 against this Hoosier team. I don't see them putting up, I don't. I mean, I see them putting up about 45, maybe 50, but I do not see them beating them by 41.5. But give me the Ohio State Buckeyes over the Indiana Hoosiers by pretty decent score, 25 to 30, but I think that 41.5 mark, might just be a little bit too much because the over to under is only 57 and a half. And I think Indiana, I know their offense is not great by any means, but I think they will be able to put up some form of points on the board. But most importantly, back to our predictions, give me the Ohio State Buckeyes over the Indiana Hoosiers. Now, guys, the next game that we have, we're going to go back to the SEC. So, you know, it wouldn't take too long. As at 11 a.m. Central Time on ESPN, we have the now ranked seventh LSU Tigers who just came off one of the best and most fun games I've watched in a while against Alabama they upset the Crimson Tide down there it at Death Valley I told everybody this is going to be a trap game for Bama you're playing at prime time down there in Death Valley and it just had the makings of being an upset game and that is exactly what we got as Jaden Daniels who Everybody absolutely loved at Arizona State. I mean, the talent, attributes, everything like that, how mobile he is. I mean, he really showed that against Alabama and their defense. As LSU, they would beat the Tigers and would jump up, or not the Tigers, they would beat the Crimson Tide, and they would jump up eight spots in the AP poll as they would be traveling out to Fayetteville to take on the Arkansas Razorbacks, who just got beat by Liberty at home. And, you know, Hugh Freeze, what he's doing at Liberty deserves a ton of credit, right? You know, he put Malik Willis into the NFL, the former Auburn quarterback that transferred to Liberty to get his second chance. Balls out, was a potential first-round pick regardless. He's a, he was a really good quarterback. And Hugh Freeze, who during his time at Ole Miss was also really solid because when Hugh Freeze was at Ole Miss, they were able to beat Bama a few times. So, But anyway, regardless, back to the whole conversation, Sam Pittman and the Razorbacks have just looked really disappointing this year. You know, Raheem Sanders, their running back, a sophomore running back, he's really emerged as one of the best running backs in the SEC. I mean, yardage-wise, he's put up almost, I think, about six or seven 100-yard rushing games this season. I mean, he's been really good. And then for LSU, you know, their offense has just been electric. I mean, Jaden Daniels was able to get the ball places it needed to be, was able to run the ball pretty effectively against Alabama. And I just think for Arkansas, who surprisingly is only a three-point underdog in this game, I think LSU will have a chance to blow out the Razorbacks due to the fact that their defense has not been as good as a lot of people thought it would, myself included. You know, they got Drew Sanders from Alabama. You know, they have Bumper Poole, who feels like he's been their starting linebacker for the Razorbacks the past 15 years. You know, they got all these new additions, but... I just it hasn't worked out the way I think Arkansas thought it would, and for LSU, you know, all of their transfer additions have really come in handy. I mean, you got Bernard Converse, the former Oklahoma State Cowboy cornerback. He looked really good, you know, in coverage against Alabama. And just all the, I mean, just what Brian Kelly has done, and I'll give him credit. He's not a horrible coach. You know, the biggest thing when he was at Notre Dame was the fact that they could never get over the hill, right? They could never beat Alabama in the national championship. They could never beat Clemson in the college football playoffs. It's just one of those things where he could not get past that hill at Notre Dame, and that might be due to the fact that Notre Dame is a lot more strict when it comes to enrollment and everything like that you know certain requirements that's not attractive to a lot of recruits right you know and also it's up in indiana it's not as much of a attractive location so to speak so but going to lsu he's going to be in the sec competing with the best of the best being able to get definitely a ton of recruits i know there's been about two or three five-star recruits that have already been crystal balled to land with the lsu tigers so a lot of momentum is going for lsu and i think in this game they do have the upper advantage over arkansas just because of how well Jaden daniels has played without making a ton of mistakes so give me the tigers over the razorbacks in fayetteville 
Now, guys, for our next game that we have at 11 a.m. Central Time on ESPN2, we're going to jump back to the Big Ten. I'm telling you guys, these next few games are just weird because it's like Big Ten, SEC, Big Ten, SEC, Big Ten, SEC. You know, there's just, a, I mean, decent matchups going on. But anyway, guys, like I said, we have the Purdue Boilermakers who were coming off a game against Iowa in which they made Iowa's offense look like it's been one of the best in the Big Ten. Spencer Petras didn't even throw an interception. Actually threw three touch or not three touchdown passes. Threw two touchdown passes on the day. They also were able to run the ball pretty dang effectively against Purdue. Uh, Iowa has a freshman running back that ran for 200 yards in that game. <laughs> I mean, it just looked very uncharacteristic of what a Purdue defense should look like. And then for Illinois, you know, they were ranked 16th last week. They've dropped a little bit in the top 25 as they now have fallen to 21. So they've dropped which I don't know why it says seven rankings, but they've dropped down to – well, because I'm looking at college football playoff rankings. My bad, guys. But they've dropped they've dropped to a 21 now in the AP poll. I still think they're a really good team. I mean, it's going to be played in Champaign. Uh, I still love Chase Brown. He had a really good game last week, too, against Michigan State. Uh, I just – I honestly think that Purdue – you know, we saw how bad they were able to get run over, especially in the run game. And, you know, I think Illinois with Tommy DeVito, they might be able to open up the playbook a little bit more, throw the football a little bit more. And I just think this game easily should go Illinois' way. And I know it's weird saying that because I had said Illinois should be able to blow out Michigan State. And, well, Michigan State somehow upset Illinois. But I do think this game, Illinois, they will bounce back as they should go on to beat the Purdue Boilermakers. Pretty decent, I'll say, by a touchdown or two. So, once again, give me the fighting Illini over the Boilermakers of Purdue. Now, guys, for our next game, we're going to jump back to the SEC. And as I at 11 a.m. Central Time on the SEC Network, we have the, Vander the Vanderbilt Commodores, who started the season pretty dang hot. I won't lie. Obviously, they returned back to their normal Vandy ways, but they're traveling to Lexington to take on the Kentucky Wildcats, led by NFL hopeful quarterback and who a lot of NFL draft uh, who a lot of NFL scouts have just loved. I mean, he kind of reminds them a lot of Josh Allen due to his size, mobility arm and I mean I understand that but do I think he's a little bit overrated yes absolutely I mean you got to remember he was originally at Penn State got beat out by Trace McSorley and then obviously Sean Clifford as well so but anyway outside of that Will Levis he's kind of been a little bit of a roller coaster these past few weeks bounced back a little bit bounced back a little bit against Missouri was able to put up three touchdown passes didn't throw for a ton of yards but once again did not make any type of mistake and interception you know he threw three interceptions to get Tennessee, which was a huge momentum boost for the Volunteers and a, and a huge momentum crusher for the Wildcats. So in this game, I think Kentucky, they'll have no problem scoring against Vanderbilt's defense. So give me the Wildcats over the Commodores of Vanderbilt. Now, guys, at 11 a.m. Central Time on FS1, we're going to jump over to the Big 12 as we have the Oklahoma Sooners traveling up to Morgantown, West Virginia to take on the struggling Mountaineers and well. Oh, West Virginia, West Virginia, West Virginia. You know, they deserve so much more. I mean, that fan base, absolutely one of the most passionate in all of college football. You know, they had a lot of expectations going into this year. You know, Neil Brown, who was already on the hot seat to begin the year, really is pretty much right now inside of a furnace, is inside of an oven. I mean, I would expect him to get fired pretty much at any moment if he hasn't already been fired once this episode goes live. Um, the offense has been struggling. JT Daniels hasn't been able to get any type of momentum or rhythm after that TCU game. I mean, I thought, you know, with them going to Iowa State, he'd be able to look at least a little bit decent. But I, but Iowa State, they have one of the best defenses in the Big 12. Just their offense can never replicate what their defense is able to do. And they made 
Iowa State's offense look really good. I mean, Xavier Hutchinson, who I've always liked a lot, I think he is really underrated and should be getting talked about a little bit more due to the fact that, you know, he's not the biggest guy out there but has decent speed. He had put up about 125 receiving yards and two touchdowns on the day against West Virginia. So West Virginia defensively is probably one of the worst in the country, and now they're going up against one of the best air raid offenses in the nation in Oklahoma. Uh, you know, Oklahoma, obviously – they don't have Lincoln Riley anymore, so they don't have that same offensive effect. But Jeff Lebby, I loved him at Ole Miss. I think he's still a really good play caller for the Sooners. I know the Sooners they lost against Baylor, but they showed a lot, you know, a lot better, you know, just progress on offense. You know, Eric Gray, who continues to be the lead back for the Sooners, put up a hundred plus, a hundred plus rushing yards. Dylan Gabriel looked pretty solid as well. And I just think Oklahoma, they should have no issue running and throwing the football over this West Virginia team. So give me the Sooners over the West Virginia Mountaineers, as this might potentially be the last game that West Virginia fans will have to endure. Neil Brown's boneheaded decision-making as a head coach. So hopefully West Virginia fans, you know, from the bottom of my heart, I hope y'all are able to get rid of uh, get rid of Neil Brown. So, but anyway, guys, for our next game that we have at 11 a.m. Central Time on ABC, we have the 20th ranked Notre Dame Fighting Irish coming off a huge upset win against the fourth ranked Clemson Tigers last week up in South Bend, taking on the Navy Midshipmen at Baltimore Ravens Stadium over at M&T Bank Stadium. So, Pretty interesting. I mean, it'd be a pretty cool game. I mean, anybody in that area, you definitely should check it out. Notre Dame, I think their offense is really, in my opinion, one of the, or not offense, their defense is really one of the better ones in the nation. I mean, we saw what they were able to do against DJ Ugalele in that Clemson offense. And I said that if Notre Dame was able to stop the run, not allow Will, Will Shipley to have a field day against them, they would be able to beat that Clemson team. And that's exactly what they did. They also picked off DJ Ugalele two to three times. I know one of them was obviously for the pick six that really sealed the game. I'm trying to remember if it was two to three, but regardless, they played really solid defense against Clemson last week, and now they're going up against one of the worst offensive teams in the nation and Navy. Uh, yeah, this this game, easily, I'm just going to pick Notre Dame. I don't think there's any questioning this game. Nothing against Navy, but I think they definitely need to kind of get caught more up to times. I understand the triple option. There's a lot of history behind it and everything like that, but definitely, you know, when they have, you know, moved to the spread a little bit, going into shotgun formation and everything like that. They've looked pretty good. I mean, I was at the SMU-Navy game a few weeks back, and when they finally had moved out into the spread and finally gotten shotgun, they looked pretty good. So, But anyway, I think Notre Dame, they should have no issue beating Navy. So give me the Irish over the midshipmen of Navy. Now, guys, for our next game, and kind of one of the more intriguing games that I have of the weekend, and you're probably going to be like, why are you even talking about this game? But I just think it's going to be kind of a funny game. Uh, at 11 a.m. Central Time on CBS Sports Network, we have the Liberty, what are they, the Liberty, uh, Liberty Flame, Flame. I'll, it has an, it has like a little, it, the, their logo is an LU that has a bird on top of it. And I don't know why I was thinking of Eagles, but I knew it wasn't Eagles. But yeah, the, uh, the Liberty Flames taking on the Yukon Huskies, who are currently at 5-5 five and five in their first year under Jim Mora. And are looking to be able to make a bowl game for the first time in almost, I think, a, yeah, since 2014. So... A lot on the line for UConn in this game. You know, they only have a few more opportunities. They only have two more games to be able to get to bowl eligibility, and they're going up against a really tough Liberty team. Now, Liberty's 8-1, and one, coming off a win against Arkansas down in Fayetteville, which that's never easy to go down to Fayetteville and win a game. You know, we've seen it numerous times with a lot of teams. But I do think that Liberty, they, they should have the upper hand in this game. I mean, UConn, they didn't look super, super impressive against uh, UMass. I mean, they were able to run the ball pretty dang well, but – 
nothing super impressive. So give me the Liberty Fla- Liberty Flames over the Yukon uh, Yukon Huskies. So anyway, guys, the next game that we will be talking about as we move now to our uh, to our uh, midday slate of games. At 2.30 p.m. Central Time on ESPN, we have the Louisville Cardinal taking on the fourth-ranked Clemson Tigers. And I don't know why I just said fourth-ranked Clemson Tigers because that's not what the rankings are. The um, Let me look real quick. The 12th-ranked Clemson Tigers. My bad, guys. I was looking on ESPN and how they have their uh, college football playoff rankings. So the 12th-ranked Clemson Tigers now. And for Clemson, you've got to make the switch at quarterback. DJ Ugalele is not going to benefit you whatsoever he's not he makes boneheaded decisions with throwing the football he literally gave I mean I I don't understand what Dabo Sweeney loves so much about DJ Ugalele he's a very mature quarterback he's a very mature person he's a great person at that but in terms of playing on the field in terms of being able to put your team in positions to win you're not going to get that from DJ Ugalele. And you could say, and you could say, well, Kay Klumnek, you know, he's not any better, right? His only pass he threw against Notre Dame was intercepted. So you're at a catch-22 now where it's like, okay, do we go with DJ Ugalele, who was literally the biggest, you know, wild card? I mean, you'll get one game he looks like a Heisman contender. The next game he looks like he shouldn't even be a third-string quarterback. Or do you go with the unproven five-star quarterback out of uh, Westlake High School in Austin, you know, Kay Klumnek, who – Hasn't really shown a lot yet, but hasn't really gotten an opportunity. I, I mean, I think honestly, Clemson they'll probably go with DJ Ugalele. Just knowing how Debo, Debo, or not Debo, Dabo Sweeney and them are, um, you know, they're going up against a really good Louisville Cardinal team who absolutely beat the brakes off of Wake Forest a few weeks ago, forcing eight turnovers. I mean, that Louisville defense, I think right now personally, might be the best defense in all of the ACC. I mean, they're not getting talked about enough. Malik Cunningham and that offense, they've been doing pretty good as well. You know, got one of the best run games in all of the ACC. I think this is going to be a huge test for Clemson. Now, the only thing that scares me about picking Louisville in this game is the fact that it's going to be played in Clemson. Now, if it was played up at Cardinals Stadium over there in Louisville, then I'd probably pick the Cardinals in this game. But just due to the fact that it's played at Death Valley 2.0, it's going to be hard for me to go with the Cardinals, so give me Clemson in this game. I think they're going to be pissed off, too, especially the defense, because they got ran all over. I mean, Notre Dame had two 100-yard rushing running backs, so they're going to want to be able to bounce back. So give me the Tigers over Louisville, but it's going to be a very close game at that. And once again, don't even be shocked if we see Louisville pull out another upset against Clemson because they've just been that good here recently. I mean, they beat James Madison last week in what wasn't in what was not really a very good offensive game, but they were still very solid on defense, and I think that defense might be able to carry them in this game if they're also able to do what Notre Dame did and contain Will Shipley. So anyway, guys, the next game that I'm going to talk about, and at 2.30 p.m. Central Time on ABC, we have the Nebraska Cornhuskers traveling up to Ann Arbor to take on the second-ranked Michigan Wolverines. And do I need to really say too much about this game? I mean, Michigan, they went out to Rutgers last week. You know, they trailed at half 17-14, to ooh, whoopity-doo, but then they would end up beating Rutgers 52-17. to uh, Michigan's offense, I think, is going to have a field day against Nebraska's defense. You know, Nebraska, they really should have been able to beat Minnesota last week. They led them for a long time, but they allowed Minnesota to come back into the game, and Minnesota would beat Nebraska. Uh, I think Blake Corn will probably rush for almost dang near 200 rushing yards in this game. The Heisman hopeful running back, who I love a ton, and I definitely think he does deserve to go up to New York for the Heisman ceremony. Uh, once again, Michigan, they also are favored in this game by 29 points. It's played up in the big house. 
I don't think Nebraska has a shot in Hades in this game. You know, Casey Thompson, who's currently injured, the former UT quarterback who came in, and Nebraska fans thought he was going to be able to bring them back to relevancy, which I did too. I thought he'd be able to give them something that they didn't really have much consistency of, and that was quarterback play. I mean, we saw how Adrian Martinez did last week against Texas for Kansas State. Didn't really look too good. But, um, yeah, in this game, I just think Michigan, they're going to blow the absolute doors off of Nebraska. So give me the Wolverines over the Nebraska Cornhuskers as Michigan. They continue to try and better their resume for the college football playoffs. So, anyway, guys, our next game that we have, and that will be at 2.30 p.m. Central Time on CBS as we now have the 10th-ranked Alabama Crimson Tide, which that just feels weird saying Alabama at 10 because I'm so used to saying the first-ranked, second-ranked, third-ranked, fourth-ranked. I mean, heck, even last week saying the 6th-ranked Crimson Tide, that felt pretty weird. But now we have the 10th-ranked Alabama Crimson Tide traveling down to Oxford to take on the 11th-ranked Ole Miss Rebels. And, well, I think this has been one of the more overlooked rivalry games in all of college football, largely due to the fact that Alabama, for the longest time, they controlled this you know matchup. Like, don't get me wrong, Alabama, they've dominated Ole Miss the past few years, especially, I mean, the past 10 to 20 years, this has been mostly Alabama, but... Ole Miss has been known, especially when it's played in Oxford, to come up with an upset win. And, you know, for Alabama, their defense has been her, their defense has been horrendous this year. The secondary, you know, I thought them getting a former All-American DB, Elias Ricks, would play a huge part in them potentially being a little bit better. But, I mean, he hasn't gotten a lot of playing time due to, I guess, off-the-field stuff and being new to the program. I don't know what. But the secondary has just been getting thrown all over. Jaden Daniels and that LSU offense had a field day against Bama's defense. And, heck, even the offense just didn't really seem like they connected that much. Bryce Young, a lot of his passes would get dropped by his wide receivers, and it just, you know, the run game also has not been amazing as here the past few weeks. I mean, Jameer Gibbs, definitely during the first half of the year, looked fantastic. I mean, putting up pretty much about 100 yards rushing every game, also getting it done in the uh, in the pass game as well. But, you know, in this game, Alabama, they're favored by an 11.5, which I don't think at all Alabama will win by 11.5. I don't care if they're coming off a loss. They're going to be pissed, this and that. They're going to play in Oxford. Now, if this was played at Bryant-Denny, I would pick Alabama by a mile. But I have to pick my one long shot game of the week. And honestly, I don't think this is going to be much of a long shot. So give me the Ole Miss Rebels over Alabama because Ole Miss, they went into Kyle Field and beat A&M in which A&M's offense played really dang well, probably the one of his best offensive games of the year. You know, under Connor Wegman, De- Devon A-Chain also had a field day, but people forget Ole Miss has one of the best running backs. And I'm, I know I say everybody's a be- one of the best running backs, but seriously, this true freshman running back, Quinshawn Judkins, he might potentially be the next superstar running back to come out of college football. So just to keep that in mind as well, I mean, they still have Zach Evans. They still have Ulysses Bentley. I mean, Ole Miss has one of the best run games in all of college football, and we saw what LSU was able to do against Alabama's defense when they ran the ball. So it's going to be a really intriguing matchup, but I think Ole Miss, they've got the upper hand in this game. So give me the Rebels over the Alabama Crimson Tide. And I hate betting against Alabama because I already know for some reason Alabama's just going to blow Ole Miss out of the water probably. But there's a part of me that really looks at this game, and I'm just like, there's no way that Ole Miss's offense, you know, you have um, you have Mingo, you got Jackson Dart, you obviously you have that triple-headed, triple-headed um, running back room that's just absolutely electric and is filled with four and five-star running backs. I mean, it's hard to not pick Ole Miss in this game. Like once again, like I said, if it was played at Bryant Denny, I would pick Alabama, but I just think Ole Miss they are definitely they definitely are getting overlooked after that LSU game. I think that LSU game really hurt them a ton, and. 
I still think they're a really good team. Jackson Dart ran the ball pretty dang well against AM. I mean, I know he's known as more of a passer, but he was able to run the ball really effectively. And I think Lane Kiffin, he's going to get these boys fired up because Lane Kiffin really hasn't had that much success against Alabama when he's when he is a head coach. So I think this is a game that Ole Miss and Alabama are really neck and neck. And I think this might be the time that Ole Miss, they finally get over that hill and they beat Alabama. So give me Ole Miss over Alabama in this game. Now, guys, for our next game that I'm wanting to talk about, at 2.30 p.m. Central Time on ESPNU, we have the Iowa State Cyclones taking on the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Now, oh, my goodness, has Oklahoma State just absolutely tripped over itself these past few weeks. You know, last week they played Kansas uh, up in Lawrence, and that was just – and I, I'm telling you, I am never – and I'm never betting on Oklahoma State again, especially now that Spencer Sanders isn't even playing for him. He's hurt right now. I am never betting for this Oklahoma State team to win a game the rest of the year. I mean, <laughs> dude, it's just painful watching this team, and especially the offense. I mean, man, I didn't realize how big of a deal not having Spencer Sanders would be for their offense because they just could not do anything against Kansas's defense. And then to make matters worse, Devin Neal, the star running back for the Jayhawks, he put up 200 yards rushing and then 100 yards receiving. I mean, he had a field day against that OSU defense, which has been known to be pretty good, which just these past few weeks have been kind of demoralized, and now they're going up against Iowa State, who has one of the best defenses in the Big 12. Heck, maybe even the best defense in the Big 12. You know, the offense is still kind of questionable, but questionable, but Iowa State, they still do have a ton, and I mean a ton of talent on offense. Xavier Hutchinson, Noel, I mean Decker's shown a lot of improvements. I mean he's only a sophomore, so he's still a pretty young quarterback. I just think Iowa State, man, they might this might be the first time in Boom Picking Stadium. I think a lot of Oklahoma State fans might leave early. So give me Iowa State over Oklahoma State, just largely due to the fact that Oklahoma State they can't really decide on who's going to be their quarterback going forward. You know, Gunner Gundy, he looked absolutely terrified when he played against Kansas State. And then last week, I forgot the I forgot the quarterback's name, but he was a true freshman. He just did not look amazing. So, anyway, outside of that, definitely give me Iowa State over the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Now, guys, now one of the, and this is going to be at least in my opinion, one of the best games that we do have of the weekend at 2.30 p.m. Central Time on ESPN2. We have the 22nd-ranked UCF Knights taking on the 16th-ranked Tulane Green Wave. Now, this is weird. I never thought I would say UCF and Tulane would both be ranked and would arguably have the matchup of the week outside of TCU and Texas. I mean, this is just weird saying this, but Tulane, I mean, man, they have balled out. They're currently 5-0 in conference play. Uh, UCF, they've looked like one of the best offensive teams in all of the nation the past few weeks. I mean, all all of the transfers they brought in, I mean, everything that they have done to improve that team at UCF, what Gus Malzahn has been able to do for the Knights, has just been so overlooked. And I really think in this game, as much as I like Tulane, I just, UCF, man, they are just a different breed. I think, especially after they lost to Louisville in a game which I don't think a lot of people expected them to lose. And, you know, they beat Cincinnati, which was not a high-scoring game, but definitely UCF showed a lot of, definitely showed a lot of character in that game. I'm going to have to go with UCF to get the upset over Tulane. I know it's being played down in New Orleans. It's probably going to be a sold-out crowd. But I just think UCF offensively, man, they're just going to have – I mean, they're just going to toy around with uh, Tulane. I mean, Tulane wasn't really able to get a lot of points on the board against Tulsa last week. I know they played up in you know Tulsa, but 
I just think UCF, they've got the edge over the goal, the, the green wave, which pains me to say because I like Tulane, but I'm just going to be realistic with you guys. UCF will probably win this game. So give me UCF over the green wave to knock off their back, their uh, their wonderful season. So anyway, guys, the next game that we're going to be talking about, let me travel down a little bit to what we've got going on. Now we're going to get to our nighttime game. So now we're going to get to our evening slate of games. And the first game to kick it off at 6 p.m. Central Time on ESPN, we have the now number one ranked Georgia Bulldogs coming off an absolutely amazing game against the, at the time, number one Tennessee Volunteers going down to Starkville to take on the Mississippi State Bulldogs. And, you know, well, in this game, I just think this is Georgia's just going to fiddle around with Mississippi State. I mean, we saw what they did against Hendon Hooker, how well the defense played. Mississippi State and Tennessee kind of have similar offenses due to the fact that Mike Leach and Josh Heupel, they both run pretty much air raid offenses. And I think that Georgia, whose defense absolutely killed that air raid last week at Tennessee, they're going to do the same thing against Mississippi State. And I think Georgia, you know, with Stetson Bennett, who looked really good last week against uh, Tennessee, I think they're just going to be still continue to remain dominant and prove why they deserve to be number one. So give me the Georgia Bulldogs, huge over the Mississippi State Bulldogs. So the Battle of the Bulldogs, I think the Red Bulldogs, they should be able to win this game. So, <laughs> But anyway, guys, the next game that we have at 6 p.m. Central Time on Fox, we're going to be going back to the Pac-12 as we have the Washington Huskies, who now are ranked in the top 25 at 24 after a after an upset win against Oregon State, which was just really wonky. I mean, it was funny how the lights, they went out right towards the end of the game. So it literally became Pac-12 in the dark. But overall, it was a really good game by Washington. I know Oregon State's run game, which was led by um, Damian Rodriguez. He They absolutely murdered Washington's defense in the first half. But Washington's defense, they picked things up in the second half, and they were able to really, and I mean really, get things going on offense. Michael Penix Jr. led them down the field for a game-winning field goal attempt in which they would get and would upset the Beavers of Oregon State. So now they're going up against Oregon State's biggest rival, Oregon, who just so happens to have a Heisman hopeful quarterback in Bo Nix, who has just been killing every single Pac-12 defense this year. He murdered Ale he murdered Colorado last week, threw for five touchdown passes. I mean, I think in this game, I think Bo Nix and this Oregon team, considering it's going to be played at Eugene, which is going to be a huge enough home advantage, I think this really is not going to be that hard of a game for Oregon to win. Nothing against Washington, but I think Michael Penix, who when it comes to big-time games, normally starts really slow. But going up against a team like Oregon, who's going to put points on the board pretty dang quick, they're not going to be able to afford starting the game slow. So give me the Oregon Ducks over the Washington Huskies on primetime football as Bo Nix will probably continue to strengthen his case to go up to New York and potentially win a Heisman Trophy, which would be the first for Oregon since back in 2014 when Marcus Mariota did it. So, anyway, guys, the next game that we have, we're going to go back to the uh, back to the Big 12 at 6 p.m. Central Time on FS1. We have the now 23rd-ranked Kansas State Wildcats taking on the Baylor Bears down in Waco. And for me, if you told me two weeks ago this matchup was happening, I would have easily told you Kansas State, right? Like, no, there would be no questions whatsoever. This would 100% be Kansas State. But after watching how well Texas was able to run the football on Kansas State, how great of a game Bijan Robinson had, over 200 rushing yards on the day, Quinn Ewers also was able to throw the football pretty darn well. I really, and I don't know if a lot of people have watched Baylor, but their run game is really good. I mean, they have a absolutely dynamic uh, backfield that pretty much is almost consistent to what Ole Miss is able to do. 
I think in this game, personally, it's going to come down to if Kansas State's defense can play better than how they did last week against Texas. And as much as I want to pick Kansas State because I'm a TCU fan, I dislike Baylor, but I have to be realistic, obviously, in here. Can't show any type of bias, but I think Baylor, whose defense definitely got a little bit tested last week against Oklahoma. Don't get me wrong. They definitely got tested against Oklahoma. I just think they're going to be back home. They're going to be back at McLean Stadium. I just think a lot of momentum is going to be going towards Baylor because, you know, also they went up to Norman and beat Oklahoma. So definitely give me the Baylor Bears in this game against Kansas State, but also do not be surprised if you do see Kansas State potentially pull off the win against the Baylor Bears. So anyway, guys, the next game that we have at 6 p.m. Central Time on Big 12 Network or ESPN Plus, we have the Kansas Jayhawks coming off their first bowl-eligible season since 2008 taking on the Texas Tech Red Raiders down in Lubbock, who just fell to TCU and absolutely collapsed in the second half. I mean, Texas Tech, they could have easily beaten TCU, and that pains me to say, but Tech had all the opportunities in the world to beat TCU. I mean, TCU kept shooting themselves in the foot, whether it was just missed throws, you know, defense just absolutely folding over itself, given, given especially Byron Morton in the first half, just plenty of holes to be able to throw the football all over their secondary but Byron Morton, he would leave the game with an injury. Tyler Shug would come in, the former Oregon quarterback. He did not look good whatsoever. Uh, you know, defense started to choke. TCU was able to get some momentum, running the football, throwing the football, and then that's where you see TCU beat Texas Tech 34-24. to And, I mean, I think in this game, and people are going to expect Texas Tech because it is a home game. Texas Tech should have that, that – definitely should have that home field advantage. But if you watched – and, I mean, you watched how Baylor played against Texas Tech – Kansas is probably going to do a similar thing to that because Texas Tech, or not Kansas, Texas Tech, Kansas has their own version of Kendra Miller and Devin Neal, who's also really good when it comes to catching the football. Like I talked about a little bit earlier when we were talking about the can, uh, the uh, the Oklahoma State and Iowa State prediction. Devin Neal had almost 400 yards of total scrimmage, like from scrimmage. He almost had 400 total yards from scrimmage. I, Texas Tech does not have a defense that's going to be able to pick up that. And, you know, Jason Bean has also looked really dang well. I mean, he struggled early on his during his time at Kansas State. You know, he transferred over from UNT to go play with the Jayhawks. And I just think that, you know, all the momentum that Kansas, Kansas has from shutting out pretty much Oklahoma State last week, I think, I think, honestly, Kansas, they should win this game. I mean, I don't care that it's being played down in Lubbock. I think Kansas, they should win this game. So give me the Jayhawks over the Red Raiders. I think it'll be a little bit closer. But if Byron Morton's not playing in this game and Tyler Shug or Donovan Smith is playing at starting quarterback for the Red Raiders, this should be a pretty one-sided game. So give me the Jayhawks over the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Now, guys, for our next game that we have at 6.30 p.m. Central Time on ESPN2, we have the 15th-ranked North Carolina Tar Heels traveling out to Winston-Salem to take on the now unranked Wake Forest Demon Deacons. And, well, big problem with Wake Forest these past few weeks has been the turnover issues and inconsistency that they've gotten from Sam Hartman. He's thrown three interceptions the past two games, which for a total of six, if you're not really good at math, kind of similar to myself. I'm not good at math whatsoever. But, um, you know, they've struggled to be able to not turn the football over. You know, they lost a game against NC State, in which they should have been able to win. The defense, which we all know has not been the strong suit of Wake Forest, they're now going up against one of the best offenses in all of college football and Drake May, who just continues to ball out. I mean, he, I think his average for, like, average touchdown amount in a game per like per game this year is like three or four. I mean, he's, I mean, he absolutely is, I mean, he, honestly, I think North Carolina, they got, 
probably their quarterback of the future, very similar to Sam Howell in that aspect. Um, you know, Wake Forest, their favorite at home, I mean, arguably, rightfully so. You know, North Carolina, they did struggle a little bit against Virginia, but I mean, I'm sorry, but after seeing how bad Wake Forest has played these past few weeks and how good North Carolina's played on offense, I'm going to have to go with North Carolina. I mean, I mean, my heart wants to go with Wake Forest because I love, and I mean, I love Sam Hartman's story. I loved how he battled all that, you know, battled all of those just blockages that came, especially right at the preseason. But, I mean, I'd be lying to you if I said that I, I don't expect North Carolina to win this game. I think Drake may in that offense, they're going to absolutely carry this team. And, I fully expect that to happen, so give me the Tar Heels over the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. Now, guys, for our next game at 6.30 p.m. Central Time on the SEC Network, we have the Texas A&M Aggies traveling to Jordan-Hare Stadium to take on the Auburn Tigers. And, well, both of these teams currently sit at 3-6, and six, which I know both fan bases did not expect. I mean, Auburn fans probably more than anything didn't expect a huge season but definitely did not expect three and six and I know Texas A&M fans they did not even expect to lose probably six games the next two years combined and you know right now A&M they're fighting to stay bowl eligible because this week you know they play um play Auburn next week they play UMass and then they finish out the year playing LSU at home so if they want to make a bowl they've got to be able to win these next three games and I, I mean, I know Auburn is favored in this game, but if Connor Wigman's back, Devon A. Chain does what he did against Florida and what he also did against Ole Miss. And then to add on top of that, Texas A&M's offense has so many weapons. I mean, I can't even, I can't even tell you all the guys they have. Donovan Green at tight end, Evan Stewart. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And then the defense, you know, which did definitely struggle stopping the run against uh, against Florida. I mean, Anthony Richardson looked like the Heisman candidate that everyone predicted him would be when they beat Utah in week one. But I don't see Auburn winning this game. I I'm sorry. I really don't. I mean, they should have been able to beat Mississippi State last week. They choked that. Mississippi State came back and, went and won that game. And, you know, for Texas A&M, I think Jimbo Fisher, I mean, I don't want to say he's fighting for his job because – the amount of money that A&M would owe him if they were going to buy out his contract would be absurd. And I think he is building the right culture, and I think he is getting the right pieces. I mean, A&M, they're going to get the recruits. They're going to get the talent. The biggest thing is will they mesh together and will they play as a team? And that's what we still are kind of waiting to see. But I think with under, under Connor Wegman, you know, they almost beat Ole Miss, which that would have been a huge win for that Aggie team. But now they're going to Jordan-Hare, hostile environment. But I, I've got to go A&M. I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not going to act like I'm a fan of A&M, but, I mean, seriously, Devon A. Chain, we saw what Nick Singleton we saw of uh, Penn State, we saw what Nick Singleton did to Auburn's uh, run, run defense in, I think, week three. I mean, he absolutely tore them a new one. And Devon A. Chain, who's not only good when it comes just to running the football, but also catching the football. So add that on top of Evan Stewart, the former number two wide receiver in last year's recruiting class. Yeah, I think I think A&M, if they're going to be able to win a game, I think it should definitely be this one. So give me the Aggies over the Tigers of Auburn. Now, guys, for our next game, we have the 25th-ranked Florida State Seminoles traveling up to Syracuse to take on the now-unranked Syracuse Orange. Now, this game will be at 7 p.m. Central Time on the ACC Network. And, um, you know, for Syracuse, as much as I love their spree, you know, they got 6-0. and When you looked at their schedule and who they had played, they really hadn't played that many great people. I mean, let's just be honest. They didn't. You know, they they lost to Clemson in a game that I feel like they probably should have won. They got blown out They got blown out at home against Notre Dame. And then last week they traveled out to Pitt and they lost in that game, which I predicted because 
no offense to Syracuse, but I saw how much Notre Dame was able to run the football on them. And I know Pitt, which I always thought was going to be more of a pass-first offense, especially with what Kenny Pickett and Jordan Addison were able to do last year. And, well, that's exactly what Pitt would do. They ran the football really dang well. Israel Abanacanda, who has been the lead back for the Pitt Panthers, he didn't do that in this game. But, I mean, just Syracuse right now, they're down in the dumps. They've lost three straight games. And now they're going up against a really good Florida State team who just blew out their rival Miami down in Miami 45-3. to Jordan Travis and, and that offense looked really good. But the defense was absolutely phenomenal. So give me Florida State over the Syracuse Orange in this game game and now guys for the final game that we're going to talk about in our preview episode for week 11 we're going to travel down to where espn college game day is going to be and arguably the biggest game of week 11 as we have the fourth ranked tcu horn frogs who are coming off a great win against their rival texas tech traveling down to austin to take on the texas longhorns who currently now are at 21 and are coming off a great upset win against the kansas state wildcats who at the time were ranked 13th so oh man this game really has been giving me a lot of like headaches trying to think about all the different you know outcomes and everything like that you know talent wise texas has tcu by a mile right don't get me wrong TCU is a great team. I love Kendra Miller. He's going to be a great NFL back. Same with Quentin Johnston, who is going to probably end up being a first-round pick in this upcoming year's draft. But Texas just has arguably the best running back in the whole entire country in Bijan Robinson. Bijan's coming off a, a game where he ran the ball for over 200 yards against a, t against a defense that gave TCU a ton of fits in the first half when TCU played K-State. Um you know, I just, it's really, I really don't know because I don't know what Texas I'm going to get. I don't know what TCU I'm going to get because if TCU plays their absolute best, they should beat Texas. But if Texas plays their absolute best the same way that they played against Alabama in that first half before Quinn Ewers got hurt, I think Texas should win this game. But when it comes down to it, it's about the adjustments that will be made at halftime. And nothing against Steve Sarkeesian. He's a great coach. But I think with what Coach Dykes does, and this part might be biased, so y'all can tell me, just shut up, Mason. You know, you're just being biased, which, yes, it absolutely is. But I think this Texas team, they're well deserving of being in the top 25. I mean, Quinn Ewers, he's starting to show a little bit more improvement after a rough game against Oklahoma State a few weeks back. But Bijan Robinson, he continues to remain the constant for this Texas offense. They're going to run the football a ton in this game. TCU has struggled immensely against the run. Heck, even throwing the football, I think Xavier Worthy and all those amazing wide receivers that Texas has. I know Xavier Worthy hasn't had the type of season that he's probably been wanting to, but, I mean, I'm just glad that Texas has been able to make the adjustments to uh, to run the football a lot more with Bijan Robinson. That's been what's been working for him. That should have been their bread and butter. And that's exactly what they've been doing. So if I'm going to give you all a prediction for this game, I think the best thing to say is that if Texas's defense does not step up to the occasion, they don't play like they did against K-State, but instead they play like they did against Oklahoma State, TCU should win this game. If Max Duggan can eliminate a lot of the boneheaded decisions he makes, like staying in the pocket when he knows he needs to get out and just trying to make something out of nothing, kind of doing what Aaron Rodgers did against the Detroit Lions last week, I just... I really don't I, – I can't – this is one of those games that's hard for me to predict. I mean, I know Texas, they're favored by seven. They're playing down in Austin, which is going to be a huge plus for them. But I just – I don't see a clear prediction. So I'm going to go with my heart. I'm going to say TCU. They do win this game. But it's going to be definitely a lot closer than people do think. And I 100% expect Texas to give TCU definitely a fight for its money. But at the same time, the last time that TCU played Texas down in Austin during the COVID year – 
TCU upset the the at the time number number ninth ranked team in the nation, Texas. So it's just one of those things where it just depends on you know what Quinn Ewers Texas gets, what Bijan Robinson Texas gets, and you know the defense as well because that's going to be a huge part because T- a TCU they've got one of the best running backs of their own in Kendra Miller who's pretty much run for a hundred yards each game this year. I think there's only been one or two he's only run for like eighty, but. He's been really solid and definitely needs to be the focal point of this TCU offense in this game. But to cut it all out and just give you all who I think is going to win this game, I'm going to go with TCU. i got to be confident in my team. I think that they're going to definitely want to correct a lot of mistakes. Quentin didn't even play last week against Texas Tech, which definitely was a huge loss for TCU, but they were able to get things going in the second half. They made their second half adjustments, and I think if TCU, they can stay the path, they can continue what they were able to do on offense this whole year, just run the football steadily, use that, use those three backs you have. You got Imani Bailey, you got uh, DeMarcado, and then you got Kendra Miller, who are all amazing backs. I really do think TCU, they do have a pretty good shot this game, so give me the Horned Frogs, but in a really close game against the Texas Longhorns, so Guys, thank y'all so much for being able to listen to today's episode, and thank y'all for all the support they all have shown. And before we do head out, I just want to ask y'all to please make sure that you do like, comment, share, rate, follow, do whatever you can just to make sure that we continue to spread the Cover 7 podcast. And guys, let me know what y'all's personal favorite game is going to be. I mean, for me, it's definitely going to be going down to Austin and watching this TCU and Texas game because, man, this might be arguably one of the biggest games that TCU's had in program history, so... Definitely something fun to watch and just be down there in that atmosphere. So, but anyways, y'all, I also want to let y'all know, fair warning, Saturday and Sunday of this weekend, I probably will not be posting a ton of highlights on the Instagram. So just fair warning because I will be traveling back and forth. So just want to let y'all know ahead of time. But anyways, y'all, thank y'all so much for all the support that y'all have shown. Thank y'all for being so amazing. Also, the College Football Week 11 recap might come out a little bit later on Sunday. I'll keep y'all updated. But anyways, y'all, thank y'all so much for listening. Also, make sure to check out the NFL Week 10 preview episode, which will be coming out at 12 p.m. today. So it's already out, so make sure y'all listen to that before y'all listen to this one. But anyways, y'all, thank y'all so much, and I will see y'all in the next one, and I will see y'all on Sunday for the recap of College Football Week 11. So see you guys then, and have an amazing rest of y'all's week and amazing weekend. Peace.